0: Hey everybody! Welcome to the Hoyt Bow Hunting Podcast. I'm your host Danny Ferris. I've got my sidekick Evan Williams next to me, and today we are talking to Bo Brooks again. We've had Bo on before, but I'm really excited about this. Bo is a—he's a champion game caller, and if it can be called, this dude can call it. Um, today, going into turkey season, we're going to put on uh, basically a. Turkey calling master cal- masterclass with Bo Brooks. So hey Bo, thanks for uh, thanks for coming back on, man. I'm excited to uh, listen to what you have to say about this because I've got I've got lots of questions. I'm an adequate turkey caller. I can get them in, uh, so to speak. But I don't know. I, I certainly don't know all of the different calls. Um, don't necessarily know when to use each and every different call. Um, and I, I, I consider myself pretty, pretty advanced. But when I start listening to you, man, you, you kind of blow my mind with your knowledge base. So um, anyway, <laughs> yeah. and, and uh, we have, we have all levels of calling here because Danny considers
1: himself adequate and I make one little squeak and they go the other way. So yeah, um, <laughs> I, I need the education probably more than anybody else because I think I've killed five birds in the last six years. So,
2: Well, you know what, guys? This is what I got to say about all that is that um, timing is more important than anything. So you can be the best turkey caller in the world, and if you don't understand how to talk to those birds or what you're saying or what it means, you aren't gonna, you're just going to hurt yourself. So you could be an adequate caller. You could be a not-so-great caller. But if you're a woodsman and you understand what you're saying to these turkeys and when to say it, I, it's huge. And I'm just so excited to be back on this podcast and talking about, I, I'd said it in the last one, my favorite thing in the world, turkey hunting. So,
1: <laughs> well, and, and you and your dad, how, how many, cause I know his number, how many states do you guys hunt a year? And between the two of you, how many birds do you think you guys are able to harvest like on a good year?
2: Okay. Um, I've been, I've been averaging, um, about 10 States a year, maybe more. Jeez. It just depends. I'm really, I, I start first weekend in March and I go to the last weekend in May, um, travel my way up from Florida all the way to the Pacific Northwest. Um, and I go to a lot of the same places every year. I get addicted to these places, you know, but, um, we watch anywhere from cold I would say for me personally, I don't count how many birds I shoot a year. I count how many I call in and watch get. So right, because right.
1: you're, you're doing some filming and photography work
2: as well. Constantly, constantly. And so I'm I'm at about, I've been averaging 50 birds a year. I've called in and watched get harvested. I bet you I watch about 13 to 16 misses a year. So we got to factor that in. Because I yeah. also guide, I'm a, I'm a guide out in Oregon. I do a f- select few hunts. Um, but really my favorite thing is just calling birds in for people because then I get to run the camera and I don't really care about shooting them that much. I do sometimes I will say that (laughs) there's sometimes that there's some States that really get that bug me and I got to go do it. And it's an accomplishment for me, but man, just love taking people. Dad, dad usually sits at the 20 to 25 birds personally with a bow by himself a year. So I factor those in as well to me because I'm a part of a few of them. Uh, But no, we sit sit at about that 60 to 70 bird mark a year. Dude,
0: that's a lot of experience. That's That's a a lot lot of experience. That that's that's more experience than your average turkey hunter gets in a shoot, a career.
1: Well, and (laughs) and where you're starting, like you are covering the entire season, so florida early season march all the way up to you know end of may you're getting multiple states so you're hunting all the main subspecies except well and and i assume you're even getting a gould's in so um all the all the subspecies in north america
0: every year yeah well dude we better we better start because i know that Bo could do this that like this could be a three-hour long podcast I want to try and fit as much of it in as possible. So the first question that I've got, Bo, is what are the basic calls that you recommend that any turkey hunter has in his vest, in his pack, when he heads to the field? What, what, What are the types, the bare minimum types? You need this, this, and this.
2: Well, so when it comes to turkey calling, I call it a grab bag. So being fluent with a grab bag is really important. So having a box call, I believe is very important. Being proficient on a box call, locating, it's very easy to use. And if you get the right one, it's a different sound that really can strike a bird up. Um, If you're not super advanced on a mouth call, I usually suggest people use a slate call. Um, They have one in their vest, And I think you need to have all of them. I mean, honestly, So you get a bird that's um, locked up a ways away and you're yelping at him with your box call. You can't get him to move. Sometimes just switching to a mouth call or switching to a slate call can be all the difference that you need.
0: I've I've noticed that so many different times. And I wanted to ask you why that, why that is, because there's been, uh, I don't know, so many different times where I've tried to locate with one or tried to get uh, get one to come with one and you switch and, Bam! He fires, or you know, all of a sudden he's coming in, and it just takes the you know the different sounds. So, what do you have a good answer for why they do that or what it is?
2: I'll be honest with you, I don't. I I know that I am trying to replicate the hen that's closest to him, Mm -hmm. the hen he is hearing. So, you get a hen that's (laughs) you are going to get a slate call. that has got that. But if you want one, if you, if he wants one that goes, cock use a box call. And so using those different sounds can replicate the bird that he wants to hear. You know what I mean? Right. And right. sometimes if they're in the mountains. They don't care what they hear. As long as it's a Turkey, you know, some days the best thing I can say about turkeys is some days you can't do anything right. And some days that, how did I, how does that go? You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah, <laughs>
1: there's There's some days you can't do anything right. And there's others you can't do anything wrong. Exactly.
2: Yeah. And so, but having those, like, I hunt a lot of public land down in the south. The really, really tough birds, man. Even with a shotgun, they're really yeah. tough birds, let yeah. alone hunting them. Mm-hmm. And having all of these different uh, calls at my disposal and being proficient with all of them just gives me that much more of an edge over that bird that's been called all season. Um, and so that would bring me to the mouth call. The mouth yeah. call can do everything if you put your mind to it. Right. and right. it's the hardest one to learn and but it in my opinion is when it get when they get to within 300 yards is the most realistic so so happy.
0: one one piece of advice that i've given people that i am either guiding or are trying to learn the mouth call and i just want to see if you agree with it or not I, it, it, a lot of people get they go into the store they buy one mouth call They can't get it and they think I can't blow I I can't use a mouth call. You have to try as many as you can get your hands on, in my opinion. Like any of the combo packs that you come across or whatever, you don't know which one I might be able to use one really well, and and Evan can't use that one as well, and vice versa. And And once you you find that one that you that fits you, all of a sudden you can do a whole lot more than you think you can. Yeah, yep. and and also,
1: the same way. Like I usually carry anywhere from four to like eight on my person. Um, yep. I've got a I've got a strap that's got four, and then in my bino harness I'll keep some others. Um, because different cutouts, different retentions, um, double versus triple. Like, I feel like it can also be allowing me to be softer or raspier or deeper. And there's like, if I need to throw out a small soft purr, there's, there's certain there's some cuts, I can do it with and some you can't. Yeah. And, and it comes so, to even the cut on the latex.
2: Yep. Yeah. So, so this is the thing. There's a few different types of cuts on latex. I'm a mouth call builder. So, mm-hmm. you know, what I also would urge anyone to do, you buy these calls. Oh, I can't run it. I can't run it. Put it in the fridge, leave it for a year. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Give it some time. Is these calls, this is a call I picked up the other day. It oh. can't yelp worth a dang, but I, I've given it a year. <laughs> it's It's got that beautiful, just green, soft talking, you know, and that's what it is. You just put these calls away and you'll find things that you can do with them. that You can't with a tight call.
0: And do you, did you say it? put it in the, ref- in the fridge,
2: put it in the refrigerator you put it anywhere else, it's gonna ruin the call. The fridge keeps it nice, not too cold. Don't put it in the freezer. Right. Do not put it in the dash of your truck, is <laughs> that's two days. It's done. Yeah. So, um, but that being said, you know, there's so many different cuts, and even as a mouth call builder, I build ten of these things. There's latex is not consistent. Yep. They'll be different, even if I'm te- the tensions are exactly the same, even if I'm hand cutting them exactly the same there's going to be a little bit of a difference. So if you go buy
0: a Bo Brooks signature series bat wing call, yeah. if you get three of them, there would be slight differences in it because of the, uh, of the consistency of the latex.
2: Yeah. And so, and that's, that's the thing. It could be very similar, right? But just, it's just a part of it, man. I just, mm-hmm. it just, I get it as close as I possibly can, but there right. will be, there's little inconsistencies in that latex that you can't see that, it's pretty, pretty incredible, but that being said, you'll find the cuts that work for you. So if you blow straight down the middle, usually you want a ghost cut. If you like to switch sides, you get a bat wing or a combo cut. Um, and if you like a lot of rasp, you run a V cut. Mm-hmm. And so just kind of breaking down the different cuts, you know, mm-hmm. there's definitely consistencies there as far as most most bat wings are going to be your mid-range call. Your V cut's going to be your raspy call. And your ghost cut is going to be super easy. Just run it right down the middle for clean
0: stuff. The ghost cut's where they cut the V out, correct?
2: Yep. yep. You cut a V, and then you take it and you clip it out. Right. So okay. Very good for keyking, very good for soft talking, and um, very good for people that run their call straight down the middle.
1: Right. Yep. Right. Now, as as we're talking about this, so, Bo, you work for Higdon and Power Calls. Yep. Do you have this information on your guys' website as to here's images of the different cuts? So as guys are listening to this, they can pull that up in reference. Okay. So, so a side caller, here's the ones to listen to. And and yeah. like like you mentioned the Kiki, which is actually one of my favorite calls, especially in that early, early season when it's just kicking off. Yeah. Um, and those those fall groups have not broken up. So I'd want to go and go, okay, Bo says this is the Kiki one. Like that's the one I want to try and focus on
2: yeah absolutely and so all of mine are named like besides the bowbrook signature series the v cuts the cutter the bat the yelper the ghost cut is the ghost cut mm-hmm. you know, the cluck Pur is a two-layer call that doesn't take any any anything it's just right out of the gate soft pretty so you know i try to make it as easy as possible for everybody and mm-hmm um like all my tutorials i put on the internet too i show you how to do those different sounds on different calls but just right off the bat like you want to do a a kiki ghost cuts can be your best best bet
0: right right so let's uh, everybody can go to power calls power dash calls.com and look at those cuts that bo is talking about um but now so, so we know at the very least, we probably want we want to learn mouth calls as best we can. That's the one that if you can learn that, you're going to have the the cap by the tail. Um, you also want to have close. a slate call, you also want to have a box call with you. Now, let's talk about the different the different sounds that are mandatory and okay. go and you know have you demonstrate some of them too.
2: So there's like 13 different sounds turkeys make. The one, the base of everything is your yelp. So I'll start with a box call so you can hear the stages of a yelp. Yep. Hear that? That's your high. Mm-hmm. Hear that? How that breaks over? Yep. So that's what you want in everything that you're doing. Like in the morning, you can do your pretty. But I want you guys to understand your, your high and your low. Just remember that high and your low. We put a mouth call in. What I t- urge people to practice is have it holding that high. If okay. you want a true yell, a true two-tone yell. And guys, if you're listening right now, if you're wondering where I put my tongue, I take my tongue and I put it back. If you're looking at a mouth call behind the second layer of that latex. And that will make you so much better, using the tip of your tongue. If you use the middle of your tongue, it's going to sound like this.
0: He just pointed me out. Yeah, me too. Appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Me me too, because I use the middle of my tongue a lot.
2: Mm -hmm. Yep. And so that will make it so much easier for you. And depending where the opening is, so a ghost cuts down the middle, right? Mm -hmm. A combo cut can be on either side bat wing is on either side whatever side's easier for you to use the overhangs where your rasp comes from that's your hear that that's your that's your rasp. Mm -hmm. so practice holding that high and i want you to drop your jaw and that's how you get your low So that's your full high to low. And if you can figure out your Yelp, everything else comes together. Josh Grossenbacher, I mean, world champion, champions, I mean, just amazing, top, told me that a long time ago. I'm like, what can I work? I spoke, oh, just get your Yelp figured out and everything will come together. Okay. And it's so true. And so what I so just did practice, right there.
0: practice holding that high note. Yep. And then, and, and, and then that break. So to speak, to the to the low note comes when you're dropping your jaw.
2: Yep. yep. And, and so this and, is easy stuff. And and have, yeah, sorry. And I it's
0: it's not just a
1: tongue pressure change; like you are literally dropping your jaw and opening your mouth to yes. move the tongue, not just relaxing the tongue while you are closed mouthed.
2: So if I do it closed mouth, it's going to sound like this, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but. So you're getting that high to low, but that, that sound that I'm making right now for anyone that doesn't know, I call it a plain yell. Okay. Sound means just I'm right here. You know what I mean?
1: It's it's basically like a locator bugle for elk. It's just a, I'm a Turkey. This is where I'm at.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, it's a cow call. You know, when she just goes,
0: yeah, I'm right
2: here, you know, I'm right here and I'm not doing anything crazy, speeding up the tempo of that yelp means something different. So you're going to learn that with everything you do with turkeys. The tempo and timing can change how you're presenting it. It's just like saying, hey, and hey. Yeah. So hey would be. And hey. Get over here. I'm ready to party. Now.
0: right right
2: so just understanding that your timing and tempo and everything can change what you're saying to that tom so much i really urge a lot of people though if you're calling turkeys especially in a pressured area to stay to that mm-hmm. hey make them right. you, you know pretty stuff okay and so the next sound i'm going to go into is a smaller version of the up there it's going to be a cluck And I'm going to do a raspy cluck, which is your Eastern. An Eastern and a Miriam are very different when they cluck. So an Eastern or an Osceola goes. And all I'm doing is going, And I'm using my lips and my jaw stuff as well, guys. So that's that's popping your lips almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, I'm not actually popping my lips. You can go, which is really easy. It's real pretty, but I also use my tongue as well. And I go,
0: so now do, do people get clucks and purr or not clucks and purrs, clucks and putts confused a lot.
2: So, um, mm-hmm. speaking to that, I was hunting with Scott Ellis a long time ago, another amazing Turkey caller. And he told me, I said, Scott, he was doing putts, what I thought sounded like putts. Mm-hmm. He's like, Bo, he said, I don't, th- it, it, I've never ever made a sound like that that scared a turkey away. So you, you hear this and go, yeah. you would think that's a putt, but yeah. hens, like Miriam's, especially hens, they go, instead of cutting. And so there's, don't be afraid to do it. You know right. what I mean? And just right. practice it. And it's, of the time, I've never, ever had a problem with scaring a bird away with it. So, um, and and it was really interesting to me because I never made those noises because I heard them. Mm, Yeah. And I was scared to. And as soon as I wanted to, it's just adding more to my arsenal. Right. Um, right. What what is a cluck? A cluck is just a content sound. It can be done on the limb when they're sitting there, it can be done while they're sitting on the ground foraging. It's still another content sound. Just show. I'm not worried about you. I'm just doing my thing right here. I'm just happy, which a sped up version like we did with the Yelp, the Yelp and the excited Yelp, the Hey, Hey, there's a cut. So the cut, like I just did is an excited sound. It's the sound. Right. That's, it's, it, and I'll implement that with my Yelping. So yeah, It's excited. It's telling that Tom, let's go. I mean, get over here. And you'll hear it a lot of times when a hen, you know, nine o'clock comes around, the hen goes to the nest. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. She comes back out, and she's looking for that Tom. She's walking along going, just excited, trying to – it's like, where is everybody? Where are you at? I'm trying to – in the natural order of things, the hen goes to the Tom. Right, right. he gobbles. She runs straight to him. So a lot of times, if you start hearing a hand cutting and yelping while you're sitting in the blind, that tom starts gobbling. <laughs> a lot of times, it means game over. You know what I mean? Because that hen will go in there unless you can get her fired up and bring her, bring him in. Right. And so, uh, the next sound I'm going to make. And so we've gone through the yelp, excited yelp, the cluck, the cut. Um, I'm going to go through some soft stuff real quick. That okay. I like that I like to do super effective stuff. And this is a bubble cluck. This is a cluck, another one, but this is everyone asks me about how to do this call. It is so beautiful. Okay. And I usually use a wine with it too.
0: Oh man. Wines are super hard for me for some reason.
2: So if you guys I was talking about that open spot on the call. Yeah. Those cuts straight down the middle. Yeah. on a combo on the side, bat wings aside on a V cut, you just got to figure it out because it's really hard and it, I wouldn't even try. Right. So on the side, you want to find what I call a key. So we're going to get into that sound too, but you push on like on a combo cut, push on the far right side of the call where it's open. Right. You can yelp off that side too, guys. That's where you can get a rollover yelp by dropping your jaw. But what I'm, gonna, oh. what I'm trying to show you here is that you take that key and you just go, whip, whip.
1: Uh, so
2: it's, it's almost like you're saying the word whip. Exactly. Okay. And then for my whine, I go, woo, 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 with my tongue. And you're woo, just woo. having to
0: do it on that open part of the reed.
2: Oh, if you do it down the middle, it's going to sound like right.
0: this
2: <laughs> Got to push on the side.
0: I have a feeling that part of my problem with doing those has been that I'm trying to do it with the middle of my tongue and not okay. the for, the front part of my tongue. And I'm not moving the air where it needs to be.
2: And so that's, that's what happens. And, and you've never been taught that either. That's something no, that, I that's haven't. Something that it's, it's totally different than anything that we've been taught. Um, I used to call that way, you know, before mm-hmm. I went and went out to this side of the country and I thought, oh man, I'm, I'm, and I was killing turkeys. I was doing great. But right. that next level of calling just gives you confidence and sure. realism that helped you get that edge. You know, those, those turkeys that I used to call for an hour, take me five minutes now. You know what I mean?
0: It's right. Just, right.
2: It's just like, no, no question. Snap your fingers. It's in their head, you know. It helps me out. So,
0: so these, these softer calls that you're talking about and like the wine and some of the, they're basically contentment calls, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're just signaling to a, to a Tom that's coming in that, Hey, everything's cool. Mm -hmm. I
2: I don't really care about you. I mean, honestly, that's kind of what it means, you know? And so talk about contentment calls. I'm going to go into the bread and butter, the pearl. Okay. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay
2: and usually use a cluck with it spitting feathers but (laughs) (laughs) but uh no it's all i'm doing there's a few different ways to purr guys using your lips is not the way to do it i mean you can do it hear how that sounds but i either if you can't flutter your tongue that's what i do is flutter my tongue yeah you can use the back of your throat and gargle and go. yeah but and that's fluttering
0: I mean. your fluttering your tongue is the easiest way to do it
2: if you can yep it's yeah. and i think it's the most it's 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 the easiest for me some right. people they could Use the back of the throat really easy, um, but I can't. And so,
1: seems like if if you can flutter your tongue, you can yeah. also change pitch and volume to some degree as well. Much
2: easier. Absolutely, absolutely. Slowing it down, or or speeding it up.
0: Now, what was that you, that you threw in the middle?
2: I said that's the wine that we learned earlier. It's the wine. The wine. Okay. Yeah, the, the happiness. It's a happy kit sound. Yeah, A lot of times, this is what my content calling sounds (laughs) like. That sounds really good.
0: That sounds so much better than my wine. Sorry. Go ahead, Brooks.
2: (laughs) Okay. This is how I put it all together. So we've learned them now. Okay. Yelp. And I'm going to do a bubble cluck, purr, and a wine. This is kind of what I like to do. I'm set up against a tree. You can think about it in the hardwoods. Shut up on him for a little while and listen and wait.
0: Holy smokes!
2: Yeah. So it's it's putting it all together like that. It's just it's it's and and reading the bird obviously is so important. But this is just understanding the sounds. It adds a content feeding like there's a few hens there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, that's the first Mm -hmm. thing I was going to say. Is you you sounded like multiple birds to me right there.
2: Very easily and very quickly. and, and, And so. If, if you learn how to yelp, like, off the side and the middle, like I was just talking about. Right. You, you know. Okay. So, um, go to, you know, it really depends. If I've got him goblin, I've got him on the hook, I want to scale it back. This is my soft talking we talked about. So, we got the sounds, the cl- cluck, and I'll do a bubble cluck here, a purr, a whine, and a yelp.
0: And it, yeah. you, just to be clear, you're saying bobble clock? Bo- bobble clock? Bobble clock.
2: Bubble, cluck, like,
0: bubble whoop. clock. Whoop. Okay.
2: You're, thru- you're kissing bubbles. Okay. <laughs> and so that's, that's my soft talking, you know, on a tree – just giving him a little bit of something, not going crazy, right um, And there's times where you don't do all that, just right make him come look for you, maybe just a pop, pop, just to have him come look for you, but understanding and having all those sounds at your disposal is huge. right So if we were going to scale it up and I'm trying to get this bird lit up, um I know he's in there. a lot of times he's easterns in the middle of the day you're walking through the woods. They aren't goblin, but you know, they're there.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: I usually go a little crazier. I either sit down and just wait and listen, or I get in there and I try to sound like two different hens. And what I'll right. do, is I, the sounds I'll do is a, Hey, the, you know, the, Hey, and then the a yeah. Hey, I'm going to cut and yelp. And if you can, like we talked about earlier, doing the side in the middle, you can do two different hens, but just make it sound like there's some commotion I'm looking for him. So I'll, And so that's my, and usually, you know, that middle of the day, it just, so that's, one, if, you, if, if you get them lit up, they're dead. You know, that's that two different
0: yelping. hens talking to each other. One of them cutting and one of them yelping.
2: Hmm. It, well, one of them's cutting and yelping, and then one is cutting and then doing another type of yelp. So it's called a rollover yelp, where I push off the side and go, and the okay. middle one goes so-
0: Let's say for a guy who you know, you no, know, there, there's some people that are going to get it with the mouth call. They're going to sit down and practice, and they're eventually going to get more accomplished with it. Some guys that just aren't, or so. Yeah. What What's the best alternative for them to whip out the box call and the and the mouth call if they're if they're only capable of sounding like one hen yep. with a mouth Ab- call?
2: Absolutely, and, and so
0: or, or and, a slate. And-
2: it, or a slate and so a friction call with a mouth call is great and just a friction call by itself sometimes a lot of times is just enough so i usually
0: okay. and that, that, that's a box and that's call he's using bottom. right now
2: yep. yep i love the sound of that that's beautiful sure if, if they're not answering that i'll put a mouth call in with my box call
0: So right there, we we know that you guys listening don't have the video portion. Um, yeah. But what he's doing is he was he he was cutting and yelping on his mouth call, and then also cutting and yelping on his box call, kind of answering back and forth. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think a lot of people know how to cut on a box call.
2: I wish, I, and that's why I wish I had video. Video,
0: yeah, yeah. But you can explain to him how no. to cut on a and, box call. Absolutely. Uh, and one thing I've always done
1: on a box call is again that backside thumb pressure. So when yep. I when I'm holding that box in my left hand, my left thumb is pressed yep. up against the paddle and I'm yep. popping that paddle from the side kind of down into the box exactly. and letting my left thumb be that recoil device. And
2: it's somewhat lax. Yep. It's not super tight. It's it you're pushing back in but it's not like pushing as hard as you can because if you push as hard as you can you're gonna get
0: you get
1: yeah you get that drag
2: yeah so I, I'm pretty loose on it I put my left thumb like you just said on the box and you find a spot that works for you if you put it too high or if you put it too low I like to be right in the middle
1: mm-hmm.
2: and it's the middle of my thumb on the left hand and I just take my right hand flat and just
1: and yeah and you're literally just kind of Popping that paddle from the side with that flat right hand
2: yep and it it drives them crazy It's almost better than my mouth calling sometimes just
1: and and even in your sound studio like you can I can hear the difference in that box Often. in how it echoes like you yep. can tell that box is going to carry farther and help you cover more distance because there's almost like an echo to it
2: it'll ruin your mouth calls if you try and run them all day i mean mm. that loud it'll it'll ruin your mouth calls that's why i love having a box with me that's that i can rely on to locate and and sometimes man you can melt down with the mouth call all day but you hit them with a box call it's just in their face and it'll break them and yeah. so just having that grab bag like I've been saying, you know, it's just so important, um, right? And being able to have do it all. So as far as the call sound, we've learned a lot. We've run the box call. You know, um, I'm not going to do a in depth on how to run a slate call. Um, mm-hmm.
1: Now, you know. r- real quick though, on that, let's let's touch on slate materials because okay. because we're using the term slate, but I like using the term pot call better because slate is one type of surface yep. and then you have glass and they're both pot calls um just yep. run on two different surfaces
2: yeah and i've got sitting here with me i've got a glass and aluminum um i run a few different i and and uh it they they sound different i particularly like for soft con i love slate mm-hmm. for popping like I guess we don't have to worry about breaking the microphone anymore, so. <laughs> this call is getting pretty old, but see how loud that is?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that second one's aluminum then, right?
2: Aluminum, yeah. That aluminum pops. Yeah. And and so I usually put my hand, if you got, I know you guys can't see it, but I take all five fingers and put them like it's a crown i put the call in the middle of it is if you put it down here like this it's going to sound
1: it's going to mute it because you've got you've got that that resonance chamber
2: yep and that's why there's holes in the bottom of it to let that sound out and so if i'm soft talking i have no problem taking my hand and going (laughs)
1: letting your hand and your glove mute things up a little
2: bit yep bring it bring it down a little bit but just uh playing with that and then the higher you hold on that striker the easier it'll be to cut so i go down on the striker it'll be a higher pitch sound mm-hmm. so
1: because you get more force like, it, like yeah, dedicated force
2: has more of a more force if you higher hold it it's going to have more it's going to be see how i'm put i get more leverage on it right so yeah I, like we said we could do a 3 hour long calling segment with Turkey. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah I w- I wish we had video on this one in particular because you know there'd be value in being able to see how you're holding that thing. But l- why don't we try to do this? Well, why don't we go through some scenarios? Okay. Um and you know what uh, different scenarios that you might expect to come across and how you react to them with what calls.
2: Yep, absolutely. Um man, I mean early season in Florida. Let's just talk about that. Okay. And there's different scenarios morning, evening after. So most common scenario will be on the roost, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So usually I'll let him gobble for a little bit before I do anything. Mm
1: -hmm. So, so rather than you trying to locate birds and come in on them, are you, are you standing back off a creek bottom and letting them start talking on their own and then moving in?
2: Yeah. I, if I do anything as uh, uh, uh. Right. I, do my, I do my owl, you know. And, and that was without calls, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but it, it just letting them get started on their own, slip in there. And, I mean, Dad and I, we have for bow hunting, we have a running gun set up. So we can go anywhere. Best case scenario, you've already seen where they roost. But with those early mm-hmm. birds and um, and Osceolas, they usually don't gobble in the afternoon for some reason unless it's cooler. Right. And so, you know. Get them gobbling, slip in there, and usually I, you know, they've gobbled for a little bit. Let's say they've gobbled twenty times now. It's starting to get, right. like, yeah, you can hear all the songbirds going nuts. I usually start out with a cluck. I go, usually he'll go gobble mm-hmm. on that, and I'll just let him think about it, mm-hmm. you know. Give them a little bit of time. And this goes through everywhere for early season birds and, and usually in the roost. Just kind of a, you know, we don't talk to them a whole lot in the roost. Sure. As, as I'm waking up, you're painting a picture. As I'm waking up, I'll add clucks and some yelps in there.
0: Now, you on those quiet, quiet yell, and you're, you're keeping yeah. your mouth closed and and silencing yeah. the call a little bit, right?
2: Completely. I don't. It's amazing how far a turkey can hear you call,
1: especially right. early in the morning when there's no wind. Yep. There's, I mean, there might be some songbirds talking, but it is still.
2: Yep, and and what is he doing? He's listening. Mm-hmm. The hens. Wh- That's all which, he's which do.
1: direction do I want to go?
2: Exactly, and so. Usually, if the hens fire up in that early season down there, if they're not on the ground yet, I'm usually not copying them. You know what I mean? I like copying them when they're on the ground, but I don't want to turn them. That's the biggest problem that I have with Easterns and Osceola's early, and even Miriam's when they're all winter flocked up. If you, that red hen starts going, kah, 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 I still kind of want to make her want to come look for me, and I don't want to deter her off, off coming towards me. Mm -hmm. So it's still that soft yelping out or just, I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm not trying to steal your man, (laughs) (laughs) you know?
1: But yeah, when, yeah, when they're flocked up, like you have to turn that lead hen in your direction and get her moving to you or game's already over before it started.
2: Exactly. And if, and once she, like, I, I usually will let them know when it's time When I think they're on the ground, I take my hat off and I go, and there's her bubble clucks.
0: Fly down. Letting them know.
2: Fly down tackle. That's a series of bubble clucks and cuts and letting them know I'm hitting the ground. I'm on the ground now. And some scenarios, I'll do it earlier. If he's not on the ground, I'll do it to get him coming my way. You know, get on the ground right now before the other hens hit the ground. And if that's the case, I usually will hit him hard. If the hen's going down, though, I just still – real pretty you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and and so it's there's a lot of different scenarios like if we go to the miriams though that time of morning and they start yelping like that a lot of times they'll yelp at them you know the osceola's and eastern's they act a little bit different they don't that time of morning i don't i just get scared to turn them but that i don't know what it is about miriams but they love it (laughs) right then you yelp right back at them they're like oh man let's let's go (laughs)
0: well let's let let's one of the scenarios i want to cover and how you react is is let's say that somebody's walking along and they're whipping their box call out every couple hundred yards and and making some cuts and yelps with their box call trying to locate one and bam one finally fires off yep um and it's just one bird by himself what's your what's your typical process from that point once you've got him to fire the first time midday or something like that
2: if it's an osseal or eastern sit down okay yes he's coming okay I, marry him, I make a move a lot of times unless he's within 150 yards and so osteolar or eastern i sit down and i usually give one hard call okay And shut up. Quiet. Let him think about it for a little bit. You see, their, your next call is going to be. That's what it's going to sound like. He's going to be right there.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. He's, he's
2: going to gobble right in front of you. U- usually, is it in the middle of the day? It means it's on. Is these they, these birds? These easterns gobble when they gobble. It's for a reason. Right. Okay. Miriam's just whatever they want to do you know
0: (laughs) okay so that that that's a difference between the two species that a lot of people don't realize you know maybe elaborate on that just a little bit
2: so yeah the goblin doesn't mean anything as much with a miriam as it does a eastern An eastern if i get him goblin especially in the middle of the day i'm like here we're gonna kill him um but if i get a miriam goblin and he's just oh my god i usually have time to move in on it so that's pretty like pretty
1: darn good dude. <laughs> it sounds like every single miriam that is sat there good. like oh hey there he is and yep. yeah, and then never, you slip in there, but when it. they
2: start doing this and they start tripping on themselves yeah that's when it starts happening and i don't let off miriams and so you heard that bubble clock earlier i said i use for miriams
0: mm-hmm. uh-huh. well
2: i call a, I have a bubble cut this is a, this is a secret I mean, it's out of the bag now. This is what we like to do. That, like we were talking about that putt earlier. Mm-hmm. Instead of going, you know that that eastern that
1: raspy, cut, it, yeah,
2: yeah. The Miriams are very high pitch, so. They just mm. go absolutely insane. So that's the key, and then so you're wait, much wait for the
1: trip, and then get high pitched.
2: Yep, exactly. And this, and they just and they don't hear it. They just don't hear it at all.
1: Yeah, yeah. So now, slight change in pace. Danny and I both hunt a lot of rios. Yep. How would you associate those? Because we've talked about the Miriams and we've talked about the Easterns and a little bit of Osceola, but we really haven't covered. A big chunk of those rios that, I mean, you're talking South Dakota, North Dakota, a lot of Nebraska, Kansas, Texas, straight down into Texas, and that is a huge chunk of where guys are traveling to.
2: So Miriam's and rios, I treat them the same. Yeah, I I I usually call them the same. The only difference of no, they're to me, I hunt hybrids of the two. It's just I hunt them the same. You know, Mm. there's Texas is a little different. But that's because they feed them. You know what I mean? They're they're becoming feeders and stuff. Um, I think that, yeah, the Miriam, this is the biggest thing I could tell you about a Miriam and a Rio. They'll lose attention span easy, Mm -hmm. very easy. So don't be afraid to call out them a bunch. Um, They're not going to probably roost in the same spot every single day. They kind of do their thing. They go to here, to here, to here, to here. Some of them roost in the same spot every day, but.
0: Depends upon the terrain.
2: Yeah. And Absolutely.
0: It,
1: Mountain they're, birds. they're covering, they're covering an area. So they've, they've typically got two to five different roost areas, depending on where they're at at any given time in that evening
2: fly-ups area. Absolutely. And there's, uh, there's times, there's a time will be glued to one roost, you know, but you're, but you're, it's kind of like hunting a whitetail versus a mule deer. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. A whitetail stays in his little zone you know and uh mule deer kind of stays in his zone but he goes out and he could come back on a different trail every day you know and the white tail is is more patternable if, if that makes any sense
0: i always tell people when we're talking about miriams uh you know a lot of people who have hunted miriams their experience with them is in you know creek bottoms in nebraska or south dakota or something like that well those creek bottoms their roost trees are are much more hard to come by, and they there's lots of times where they're roosting in the same trees night after night after night. Their options yeah. aren't that aren't that big necessarily. Yeah. If you're hunting mountain merriams. Exactly And thick timber, boy, they've got lots of roost options, and they may or may not be in the same area roosting one night after another. And locating those birds is the big problem because the terrain that they're in isn't concentrating them.
2: Absolutely, they're and they're and they're constantly moving up the mountain. I mean, yeah. first of April, they're all going to be on the private. They're going to be partying down there at the snow line. They follow it all the way up. They're yeah. trained never to use the same roost. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it's, it's in their DNA and yeah, I'm going to throw this out there. Hunting mountain birds is my favorite thing on the planet. So yeah, me too. It, it strikes, it strikes me. And I, even, I mean, I'll tell you, there's mountains here in Georgia and Alabama. And honestly, there's some of those same things that go, that cross over from Easterns. You know what I mean? They, they kind of act that way when they're in the mountains. So, you know, the low, lowland birds versus the high land birds have their similarities. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Mm -hmm. And so it's pretty, pretty cool to see that though. So, um,
0: would this be a fair statement just based on what I'm hearing you say? And, you know, I have much, much more experience with light fan birds, whether it's Miriams or Rios or hybrids, uh, than I do with Easterns. Um, I've hunted Easterns a good bit, but you know, a lot of times, um, I feel like guys that are hunting Miriams and Rios, uh, one of the biggest mistakes that they make is being, is not calling enough. Um, and when it comes to Easterns, I think one of the mistakes is calling too much.
2: So that's, is that, yeah, you nailed it. You nailed, nailed it. it
0: right there. So nailed. like with, with Miriam's and, and, and Rios, I mean, I'm, I'm aggressive. I'm more aggressive than most yeah. of the guys that I see out there. And, uh, especially guys that just don't have confidence in their calls just yet.
2: Yeah, exactly. I
0: see them lay off when they should be pouring it on.
2: Yeah. And so if speaking to that, like I've, I'm a guide. I take people from the Midwest that have hunted Easterns their whole life. And you set them up in a spot and they sit in the same spot all day. Yes. And if there's some areas you can get away with that for, if you've been scouting it, mm-hmm. but right. If you haven't go find a bird that's ready to work. Right. I mean, I pour, I put a hundred dollars, dad and I put about a hundred dollars worth of fuel through our truck a day, running around getting on birds, moving around and getting on different birds and, and don't give up when you get on one, give them everything you got. But if you think you're just going to sit there and when he quits gobbling that he's coming in, that's not the case with Miriams for the most part. Right. They've walked off and you need to go strike them up again. And like elk hunting, pop in the bubble.
0: Yeah getting yeah. in his
2: zone that's going to make him turn around and come running in.
0: Mm-hmm. right? And Eastern's, it's a completely different concept.
2: And and so, how I've been successful, though, I, it is a completely different concept because mostly you want to call soft. You want to be pretty. You want to lay off them. But on some areas, throwing some of that heavy calling in small doses, like, right. like I said, a lot of guys won't even do that. But the, this is the, the 90% of... Eastern hunting, you know, and then that's the it. a half hour. And I walk right past him and yeah. pack, 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 pack. Cow, cow, cow. And then I sit down and I did, and I'm, I've got the edge. Right. You know what I mean? And so right. learning, learning how to use, do all of it is being a turkey hunter, understanding how to do all of it. Because there's times where I sit down and I won't say anything for an hour mm-hmm. and he'll just pop up and go, and so being being willing to try this stuff is mm-hmm.
0: huge. Right. Well, and trying your best while you're out because you're you're certainly going to have plenty of failures, but those failures are each opportunities to learn. And if you're paying attention, you know, with with big game animals, a lot of times we're trying to read body language. Well, all you're not always able to watch the turkey, but you need to read what his mood is by the calls, mm-hmm. and pay attention to to the, the how they're projecting things and and the way that they're calling and things like that. And try your hardest to read that. And if it doesn't work that time, you know, try something different. The next time that you run into the same situation, but a lot of it's just experience and how many times you've had th- something work and something fail. And the main thing is, you don't be afraid to try,
2: and, and don't give up the first time something doesn't work out either. So right. if you try and use a cluck for the first time, and it didn't. The bird did come walking in. Could have been right. A hand. right. Could, have, could have been called at like that already. Um, don't be afraid to try things and then try it again. If he's it the best thing the, for me that I've learned is when a bird hangs up, okay. Every time I learn it could be being a woodsman and moving in tight and popping his bubble. It could be a different call. It could be, I mean, just becoming a well-versed turkey hunter and, and having fun with it. I mean, really just having fun with it, enjoying it out there. That's the whole point of being out there.
0: It's hunting a little feathered elk. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well i know that uh um our hopefully at the beginning of this thing you could hear some of these sounds that bo's making uh we were struggling with our audio just a little bit but he is a terrific turkey caller and he's got lots of good turkey hunting information and lots of good uh media that he produces bo tell him where to where to find you and where to find some of this stuff
2: okay so um you know all the calls are on power um w- i work for higdon outdoors and we actually launched a new uh, youtube series called bow hunting and i self-film all of it I'm pretty excited about it i it's so cool it's on higdon outdoors youtube channel um bow hunting b-e-a-u hunting uh it's just me running around with my dad or myself or by myself it's not super well put together stuff we have well put together stuff this is GoPro on my shoulder. and This is raw. This yeah. is yeah. raw. This is, this is as good as I can possibly make it while still doing my job.
0: Well, you're a guy that um, uh, it, it, people can learn from. Um, anybody that is, well, elk hunting too, but um, anybody that's calling in and, and watching 70 turkeys a year hit the dirt is somebody that you can learn a little bit from. You taught me quite a bit today about some of the differences between easterns and and merriam's and rio's um some things that i didn't uh, i didn't really realize and also uh, just the little tips on how to use your tongue on a mouth call those are things that as soon as we get off here i'm going to be grabbing a mouth call out and trying to trying to move to the front of my tongue a little bit and redirect some of that air to make those sounds a little bit better but um go find bo uh on on his social media or on the youtube channel that he was just talking about we'll have him on here again we're probably going to talk a little bit more about specific tactics that are used uh during different parts of the turkey rut so to speak um yep yep whether it's pre-rut or right in the middle of the rut or 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 post rut all of them have their different challenges and there's there's different theories and methodologies that you need to use going into each one of those situations. We're going to have Bo back on to talk about some of that, but thanks for joining us today, brother. And uh, you got anything in closing,
2: man? I just can't thank you guys enough. And I, I, uh, I'm just so glad we got to get on here and talk about Turkey hunting. You know, it's, it's so near and dear to my heart and, uh, Hoyt's so near and dear to my heart. I've grown up with it and, uh, it's really cool to bring it all together.
0: Well, it's addictive, and uh, we'll be we'll be talking more about our addiction later on. I appreciate okay. it, man.
2: Okay, Thank you. Thanks, Bo.